Welcome into The Son of a Batch, where my 54-year-old mother and my 21-year-old self analyze weekly episodes of The Bachelor with spunk, humor, and multi-generational insight. I'm a Bachelor newbie, and my mom is Bachelor obsessed. That makes me The Son of a Batch. Let's go. I'm not the kind of girl you bring home to mama. If my mama loves me, then why can't I'm not the kind of girl you bring home to mama. If my mama loves me, then why can't yours? Say I'm not the kind of girl. Okay, I just want to welcome in our new guest uh, and our uh, song intro and outro uh, writer and singer, Kaylee Marshall. What's up? <laughs> Returning guest, so if you've if you've listened to our previous seasons, then you you know what's up. Um, we had to do it for the finale. Um, Kaylee, give us the your initial reactions to last night's or not last night's, but Monday night's episode. Man, Michelle got robbed. Well, I mean, I she just seems like <clears throat> such a lovely person and human, and watching her get heartbroken that hard with the Mr. and Mrs. jerseys was oof. <laughs> it was awful to watch. It was truly yeah. awful to watch. Um and it just I don't I don't want to be cruel to Rachel, but like even before all of the uh antebellum party stuff came out about Rachel, she just seemed basic and not interesting to me. Like all she had going for her in my mind was that she's really hot. Um, whereas I felt like Michelle had so much more nuance. And I feel like the only thing that Matt grabbed onto with Rachel was that she was like, yeah, sometimes I feel not good about sharing my feelings either. And he was like, I like that. That is good. And we will be together now. Whereas I felt like Michelle was just so much more of like an in-depth an interesting human or at least we saw more of that from her mm, in yeah. the show and that could be like the producers editing it a certain way yeah so i want to <laughs> say for sure that like clearly editing has a huge hand in that and a huge factor but um i i just sat there and was like big mistake buddy well and he, she saw him different than he sees himself is what i would say mm. she saw him as uh, she talked about she wanted to change the world with him and she wanted mm -hmm. a teammate. So she saw him as this big person who wants to change the world, which I think he does. He, you know, he has a nonprofit in New York and I think, I think that's, he's very interested in that and doing things with kids and she obviously loves kids. And so she saw him in a way that I don't think he sees himself or hasn't thought about what a partner wasn't ready to see himself that way. No, still just really into the dating. But I would also say that my heart broke for Rachel too, because clearly those two, regardless of whether it was right or wrong, she was it for the last four or five weeks. I knew he was going to pick her. Yeah, it was very obvious. <laughs> when Chris Harrison came out with the interview, then I knew, knew he was going to pick her. But they just never let up. It it was this so certain, so strong attraction that never changed. Yeah. And the heart wants what the heart wants, I guess. And I think, I, I don't know, Michelle just looked better on in every corner to me. Um, oh, yeah. But th that was just, obviously, that's very different than how a person feels. 
um, right. about someone and like the heart wants what the heart wants. Um, but I think there's also a lot of implications there that like maybe aren't talked about either of like why that person was attractive versus to him and they meshed in that way versus why the other person wasn't. Um, and mm-hmm. it was, I thought it was also very telling how his mom was basically like, we don't think you're ready for this. And he was like, yup, I'm not ready for this. Um, so I think that also had like a, just had an impact on who he chose because Michelle was like very clearly ready for marriage and ready to make that big commitment. And he wasn't ready to make that big commitment. And I think that like the vibe that Rachel gave was more like she would be more amiable to just dating instead of like getting married right away. You know what I mean? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And there's an age difference. I think uh, Mm -hmm. Rachel's 24, Michelle was 29, 28, 27, something like that. Mm -hmm. Different life experiences. Uh, I'm not sure what Rachel's, I guess she's a publicist or something like that. So I guess she has a job, but Michelle very clearly has a career. She's a publicist? Or some maybe, I don't know. I can I can sit here and Wait, cheat. I can go look at our about? cast list. Are you Rachel. talking about Rachel? Rachel's a graphic designer. Oh, oh okay. graphic designer. A lot better. I was like, that girl's a publicist, and she couldn't handle this. True. <laughs> True. Been very surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Michelle is twenty-seven. Rachel's twenty-four. Yeah, I have that cheat sheet right in front of me, and then I just wing it. So I'm glad you're I'm glad you're keeping me on task. What did you guys think of Patty and John, Matt's family, his mom and his brother? Uh, clearly a very tight knit group. Clearly mm-hmm. a very tight knit family. Very close. Um, I think that was very evident in the fact that right before that whole meeting the family thing, Matt was very much like, "Yeah, I can get engaged. I can get married." And then after the reaction from his family, he was like, oh, I actually don't think I can. Um, And it's clear that they've been through a lot. And I think that, like, it was good that they came in and helped him get honest with himself and what he was really feeling. Um, I will say I was super fucking weirded out by the mom knee rub thing. Um, we were talking about that so uncomfortable. <laughs> i didn't notice this <laughs> no no no. we were talking about that me and me and my friend ariana so i had a group of people come over for the finale and we, i was like damn he even does the thigh thing with his mom this man if he ordered chicken wings would never touch the wings it would be only thigh i swear to god <laughs> so weird it is so funny i yeah i'm glad you picked up on that too kaylee i was like even with your mom really that's I was like She's on a date. That's your mom. (laughs) (laughs) He's just like, he's so in the robot mode of like, yeah, I I appreciate you for sharing or whatever. And all, you know, all the things that everybody gets him for. He's just sitting there throwing hands on thighs to anybody. He sits next to Chris Harrison, puts his hand on his (laughs) thigh. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, if I ever saw you do that to mom, I would be like, "What are you doing? What the it hell? So weird! Stop. Oh my god!" Um, yeah, but in terms of his mom, so I guess Kaylee, you kind of answered where you stand on this, but I guess then the question is more so posed to mom. Um, so we've talked a lot about when families come, or I guess I have always had this opinion when families come that I feel like they do a lot of the time more harm than good in trying to cause or like trying to 
instill doubt in their in their kids. And in this scenario, you know, his mom comes in and says, hey, I don't really think you're ready. Love comes and goes like, are you really ready? Really think about it. And my thought process when people say that in this show is always like, well, great. Yeah, somebody's about to make a huge decision in their life and you just made them second guess every time. But like you said, Kaylee, maybe that was actually where his heart was. So I don't know. What, what do you think about that, mom? Do you think that she screwed him over by messing with his head or do you think that she provided needed clarity for him? I think she provided needed clarity. And clearly, I think I think the thing that is sad slash disturbing is how much his how much trauma he must have experienced with his mom and dad not being together because that's a constant theme. Yeah. It's a constant theme for his mom too. It's like she's I almost get the impression that she's still not over it. That you know that it just it was just this big piece of their lives. So when she comes in and says, Are you sure you're ready? I, I think I think this was the right place to do that. And then I think it took him back to those those fears and and the trauma that he experienced as a kid with his parents' separation. I also personally love that he made the decision to not propose. I don't think there should be a proposal at the end of this show. I agree. Personally. I agree. I think that's it's kind of preposterous in general, but it is what it is. And I think, yeah. I think a lot of these couples, I, I think a good one is uh, Jojo and Jordan. Mm-hmm. They've been engaged for three years. They didn't treat it as we have to go get married next week. They, they kind of treat it as we're going to date. But I like that Matt was like, I'm not even ready to do that. I was okay with it. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think that that ag- agreed, Luke, it's preposterous to get engaged to someone at the end of this, like, especially when you're living in such a bubble and, I can see why people fall in love so quickly in that experience, but you need to go test it in the real world in order to really see um, things that you wouldn't see in that bubble. And we saw that illustrated with Rachel and Matt. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like that's, that's the epitome of now we're in the real world and shit changed drastically. Yeah. Yeah. Cause of course you're not going to have to, you're not going to have intense talk about, racism and what it is like to be a black man in America when you're at what is it nemicolon is that what it's called mm-hmm. wow, whatever, yeah, whatever the fuck nemicolon when you're there like being Mom, the bachelor those those conversations aren't going to come up organically and you're not going to experience no. what that feels like if you're is she from she's from the south right she lives in the south yeah mm-hmm. Georgia if you go walk down the street in Georgia together hand in hand and get shitty looks that's a different conversation. That's something that right. you actually have to be in the real world together to experience and talk about and see how each of you are going to handle that. Um, and that would change a proposal conversation, surely. Yeah. Based yeah. on each other's reactions to that. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. So a question I have for both of you, I, and again, editing, I am surprised that, uh, Matt's mom or brother did not ask Rachel if she had ever dated a black man because we've he- I've heard those conversations before and I think that's an important question it doesn't necessarily mean if you have or you haven't that it's good or bad but I think that would be important information to have yeah I agree I think it could I think it could, there's a very high chance that it could have been edited out um, but yeah um, yeah, I think that's an important an important conversation to have. 
I don't think the answer so much. Well, I think I do think the answer matter. I don't think the yes or no matters so much, but the um, have I thought about the implications of that or have I thought about that, how that's going to affect our relationship is a very valid question. And I would right. be very interested in that answer. Right. I loved John. I It made me think about like, how would our family handle this scenario? Who, who in the family, like would Luke just, Luke, how would you, how would you have handled yourself during this hometown meeting your sister's suitors or Kaylee, how would you handle it if it was Luke? I, I, I thought John did a really great job, but I want to see what you guys say. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel very weird about it. Cause it's like, you know, with, with you and Kelsey, Kaylee, it's like, I'm never going to sit there and have that conversation. I'm not going to be like, so what are your <laughs> intentions with my sister? I don't That just doesn't feel like my place. So obviously he has to ask those questions because this is the scenario he's in, but yeah, as, as, you know, he did a good job of asking the right questions and whatever, but I don't, that doesn't seem like something I would do in general. I'd just be like, so tell me about yourself. You fun dude? You like to want to get a beer? I don't know. Like, I, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Kaylee, if you have a different answer, but that's that, I just feel like that's not a very organic thing. Like how many times in the real, in the real world, are you going to bring somebody home and your family is going to sit them down and like have these Hey, can I go have a chat with you real quick? Let's have a one-on-one -on -one conversation about your intentions and your. <laughs> well, I don't think that doesn't happen in the real world that you would be like, "Let's go have a conversation about your intentions." But certainly sure. in the real world, if I was alone <clears throat> with your new significant other, you you bet your bottom dollar I'd be like, "Oh, Luke, so what's your intentions <laughs> with my brother?" You bet yeah. your fucking bottom dollar I'd do that. <laughs> I've been in situations like that. Like I, I with Scott's um, sister and family and everything, there were moments where I was alone with them when we started dating and it kind of, and it came up and I, I mean, I feel like, like that's I'm more in of love a with your son thing. or yeah. I'm in love with your brother. Like, I think that's a thing. And uh, yeah, I'm going to do, uh, if I, if you were on the, if you were the bachelor, Luke, all I can say is I would be amazing TV on those hometown dates. Amazing. <laughs> Luke, do not go on The Bachelor, please. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm also gonna. I'm also gonna have to warn whoever I bring home. Yeah, you're gonna get some hard hitters from from Kaylee. Watch out. Of course. It, it makes me feel like Dad and I just kind of sit there and I, I think for me, <laughs> you guys are just like, yeah, it's cool with me. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I, for me, it's like watching the relationship as seeing how uh, you guys interact together is what really forms my opinions and getting mm. to watch that over the years and kind of letting you guys figure the rest of the stuff out. And if it, if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I think for me, it's more what I see than what somebody would tell me. Yeah. Fair. I think that's fair. I thought Michelle killed her entrance. I was also a little surprised at Matt's mom because I really thought she was going to be not about this at all. And both women made, brought her to tears, but I thought Michelle did just such a stellar job of being genuine. And yeah. I don't know, she, she, there's something about Michelle when she walks in a room, you just feel comfortable. You feel like you could sit down and tell her anything. Michelle, gets And, good and I agree. I agree with you that I feel like, so it's funny. Uh, I feel like that Michelle was much more genuine. And the reason I say that is we were doing 
at the beginning of the episode, we all agreed on an over-under for the number of cries that we would have throughout the episode. So when Michelle or when Rachel and his mom <laughs> were talking, we were trying to decide if that counted or not. So her mom is like dabbing at her eyes, but her eyes are super watery. And then Rachel starts dabbing at her eyes. But Rachel's eyes were dry as shit. They were dry as sandpaper. And she was still, oh, dabbing. I don't know. That just, I hate that. That's that's such a fake move to me. I hate that so much. To me, that's that's what I saw. I didn't think that she was really getting emotional. She was just trying to do it to seem like she was being emotional. But yeah, when with Michelle, it seemed a lot more um, serious and genuine. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I would agree. And that would have been a weird, I don't think his mom would have known this, but his mom does not tell his mom he's in love with Michelle. He doesn't say he's falling for Michelle. He doesn't say any of those things consistently. He's been consistent. The only bad thing is that Michelle doesn't know that. Right. Bruh, how? Like, Michelle, how do you not know that? I Like, that's the part that is a little bit... Because um... she doesn't know what he's saying to Rachel. I think if, if yeah, Rachel but... had been like, yeah, Matt told me he loved me, then Michelle would have been like, hmm, red flag. He's only told me he really likes me. <laughs> right. But wouldn't the initial red flag being be, hey, I love you. And he says, thanks for sharing. She probably thinks he's saying that to everybody because yeah. he doesn't yeah. want to give it give it away. That's a yeah, pretty that's a pretty uh, consistent move on any bachelor's part. Yeah, when the girls it is. Are like, I'm falling for you. Point. The bachelors are like. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> I appreciate Michelle. that. <laughs> and then the, the piece that the very end, Michelle starts throwing snowballs at him. So what I see outsider looking in is this big sexual chemistry attraction with Rachel and Matt and nothing else. Like you just don't, you don't see anything else. Maybe there is other things. Michelle's got all these layers. Like I love that she got up and just like threw a snowball at <laughs> and was ready to go the fact that I, she she's the one that they do all the bloopers for at the end of every episode of like her being funny shows me yeah that, like she has a really great sense of humor she seems just like she seems like a fun girl which i'm excited we get to see because she's oh, going so to be bachelorette in the fall and i i read this somewhere i don't know that i've read it a lot but she wanted to be in the fall because they would tape in the summer and she wouldn't miss school, which love that doesn't want to leave her kids hanging. Um, I just, I am so excited to see her as the bachelorette. Me too. I can't wait. I'm glad that we get to see both of them do it. I'm glad that we don't have to see a guy do it for a couple of seasons. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of, so that's what we were talking about before the podcast. Like, so they haven't made any sort of announcement for when the next bachelor is right. So no, yeah, they're just doing two. They're just going to do two back to back bachelorettes, which I think is great. And, and, and I and love that look- it's these two women. I just think they're both very down to earth, very real. Although I am so concerned about Katie after that women tell all when it yeah. basically seems like all the girls hate her. And now I'm like, ah, oh, shit, is there stuff that we didn't see? And that makes me a little concerned. There is definitely stuff we didn't see. I listened to a podcast with Chelsea. Mm hmm. And she kept referring to information that she shouldn't share, can't share, won't share. And Chelsea was one of the ones that was like, you know, you created some of this toxicity. So there is definitely, at least with the women, there was some other stuff going on that isn't public. And it's probably not, you know, crazy terrible. I can't imagine. But definitely whatever it was, was divisive. Yeah. 
but she's not going to have to interact with any women. She's just going to be with guys. And so I think being, I think we've had really good success on this show when the women are strong and have a solid I'm outside of Hannah B, which I think she had a great season, even though she, you know, she wasn't, she was too young, strong in her convictions, but Katie's going to be fun to watch. She's not going to put up with a bunch of crud. Yeah. And she, she's almost 30 or is 30, right? I think so. Yeah. I'm just interested to watch that. Yeah. Question for you with Rachel meeting Matt's mom and brother. I, I think that this was me reflecting on what I wanted to have happen, but it seemed to me at the beginning that Patty was skeptical of Rachel and, and her brother seemed skeptical too. Like she said something about, you know, I just wore my heart on my sleeve and his mom said, is that your go-to? And I was like, Ooh, what, what? (laughs) I, I just, it seemed like they were skeptical, but she's, she definitely won them over at the end. Yeah. Yeah. I, I th- I think that that's the thing. I think the mom was fine with either of them. Yeah. She, I think she was just very clearly, like you said, she still has a lot of residual pain from her experience that I think she is passing along to Matt. And, and I think that's fair. I think he, it's something for him to consider for sure. I also thought it was interesting that Rachel brought up um, how impactful Matt praying over the women on night one was. Mm-hmm. And do you think this is like, it's almost like she felt like in that moment, she knew God was saying, this is your guy. I mean, that's kind of what she was saying, like uh, that her, her religion is really important. And when he did that, it he she knew he was her soulmate at that point. I thought that was really interesting that, you know, this one poignant moment impacted her so much. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't have I don't have anything nice to say about that, so I'm just gonna keep it to myself. <laughs> yeah, I I get ya. Um, any thoughts on that? Uh, not really. I mean, yeah, I, I it seemed like that was a big deal for her. I don't I don't think there's a lot of analysis to be done on that. Yeah, I do think that uh, his mother's greatest line was people fall in and out of love and love is not the end all be all. I think that really threw him for a loop. And I thought that was a really true statement too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. it is Because marriage isn't about, it is about love, but it's about being able to handle trials and tribulations. And, and I think it's about a friendship as well. For sure. I agree. It's also about laughing at each other when you have to pee in the bathtub when your toilet's broken like that yeah that's a you know that's a big one yeah that sounds specific yeah specific (laughs) oddly let me guess a friend friend went through that recently a friend a friend (laughs) yeah there's definitely i know uh Kelsey living with us she sometimes is like oh my god is that what you guys talk about i'm like yep (laughs) Yep, that's those are some of the things that you talk about. That's that's the way it is. I know we kind of hit on Matt's mom analyzing and and really throwing Matt into a spiral. How did you guys uh after he 
sees his mom. He sits down with Chris. What did you, t- what was your take on Chris's reaction to Matt spiraling out of control? Chris was like, we have Neil Lane here. There's a <laughs> ring at stake. You're saying you don't, you don't want Neil Lane. That's what was happening. I just think it's funny. Like he always wants to talk to Chris. I'm like, Chris is not on your side, man. Chris is not the guy who's going to help you through this. Cause Chris is just here to make a, uh, an interesting TV. TV show. Yeah. Right. So I'm like, I, I just I think it's I don't funny think that that's he always asked for him. I think the producers are like, you're feeling weird? Get Chris in here. Chris? Yeah. Chris? Chris. <laughs> Chris, well, feeling my, weird. My view of Chris has changed so much that it's really hard for me to watch him. And so now I see him through a negative lens and not a positive lens. I think I've always thought, you know, he's not, he's not the center of the show. He's, I believe the show can go on without him. But I really sensed he made some comment about a greeting card. Don't worry. Love ends. Is that the greeting card we're talking about? I did not feel like Chris was in his court. He also said, this is not the guy I was talking to a week ago. So I didn't feel like he was there to just sit with Matt and let Matt talk through it. I felt like he was saying all these weird things like, you do know this is a proposal show, right? But of course, like what? Yeah. What do we expect? That's his job, Chris Harrison. That's that's what that's I'm saying. What like he, he has a vested interest in saying those things. And he has a monetary to... interest in. Saying yeah, those exactly. Things. exactly. He's an executive <laughs> producer on this show. When the ratings go up, he gets paid. So, and yeah. what what the fan base, the biggest fan base and demographic that watches The Bachelor wants is they want to see a proposal at the end. So of yeah. course he's going to push yeah. for that. Yeah, it's true. He's not a friend. He's not a buddy. He's not a counsel. Chris has vested monetary interest in this show. 100%. What do you guys think of uh, Taysha and Caitlin going on the Bachelorette series? And I think they've said that they're not the host. They're just facilitators or whatever you want to call them. I don't really care. But what do you think of that? Well, honestly, like, it's been so interesting to me. People... Um, I've had conversations with people where they've been like, oh, well, how do you even do this without Chris? And just like what you just said, it's what for me, I, I that's laughable. I'm like, what is Chris? Chris doesn't, doesn't do, do anything, jack guys. shit. Doesn't do anything. Literally, like, remember, mom, when Jojo hosted that one episode because he was moving his son into college and everybody's like, she forgot to say there's only one rose left. Like, oh, whoa. Oh, shit. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Chris, Chris needs to be here. Um, I don't know. So it, it's it, what I'm, my point is, I think they'll fill in just fine. They might even be, gonna be a lot... more interesting. Yeah. I think, well, for me, and I don't know why I haven't thought of this before. I wouldn't want a man to counsel me through this process. I would want a woman to counsel me through this process. Chris isn't, you know, why is Chris the person who, when they're struggling, that's who they Chris talk ain't to. Married. <laughs> that is true. Chris is Chris not hasn't married. Been married for a long time. <laughs> and I think having two women who've gone through the process is much stronger support. Yes. For the woman going through this through the process right now. And I I do have to confess that I didn't think JoJo did a very good job. I think I Kate. Actually- Funny enough, I agree with you. After the point I just made, it sounds stupid, but I actually agree with you. She, did, she, didn't, she didn't kill it. 
she because I do think you have to have a strong presence. You don't need to run the show or anything like right. that. But when you're in the room, you need the room to pay attention to you. And I definitely exactly. I know Caitlin will do that. I and Tasha I think Tasha will, will too. Tasha will do that too. They're gonna be a Tasha. fun team. Mm. Also the fact that they're calling them facilitators and not hosts. What the <laughs> They're going to be doing the same shit that Chris does. So how how would you not call them the host? Yeah, I don't. I heard that somewhere. So I worry that maybe I just, you know. But that sounds like something the franchise would say. Because then you don't want to take away the hosting job from exactly. Chris. Exactly. But Ugh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's good. The other thing that as a mom, if this was my son on The Bachelor and he sits down with Chris and he decides to move forward. Have you guys ever been in that position where you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm already in this situation and I don't know how to get out of it. So I'm just going to go ahead and go through with it. I would be really fearful that that's what Matt's trying to do is to push through. And like, I, you know, I committed to this. I need to do this. I wonder how many times that happens on this show. Probably constantly. Yeah. Cause you're like, you asked people to take, time out of their lives to quit jobs to come do this and then if at the end you're like actually just kidding I don't think I want to get engaged like I think there would be a lot of pressure on you to be like well you committed to this yeah right you have a lot writing on you we've put a lot of money into this like yeah of course you're gonna I feel like so many of the leads probably feel that pressure which is funny because how often does it end in exactly what just happened like you know where you're like oh well, all the time. So it's funny that people are willing to quit their jobs for a guy who's more than likely not going to end up with you, even if you are the final one picked. I just think it's so funny. But that's yeah. a calculated choice. I'm sure that Bree did the math and was like, hmm, I've been here X amount of time. That means I will probably gain X amount of Instagram followers and X amount of uh, um, yeah. Sponsorships and partnerships with brands. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I can that's afford to leave my job because after this, right. the opportunities will be just as good, if not better. There, that was so calculated. <laughs> yeah, you can't like nobody could really be come out of this afterwards and be like, "I am so mad that you wasted my time, Matt." Like, if you said that, I'd be like, "Ah, eh, that's that's just you're just saying that to be mad. That's some bullshit." Because yeah. you you took the time, like you said, it was calculated. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. Get your money. Like Yeah. But don't what I'm saying is don't put pressure on the lead to pick somebody. Like that's Exactly. That's pretty common. Everyone's making a calculated choice coming onto this show, especially because right. it was different years ago. It was very, very different years ago. There wasn't the same you didn't have Instagram, you didn't have partnerships, you didn't have promotions. The amount of money that you can make off of being on The Bachelor, that that wasn't a thing. Now that's right. very much a thing. So it's a calculated choice coming on The Bachelor. You know that there is the potential for you to become a public persona, to get monetary compensation from this. Like, it, there is a choice. And to pretend like that you're just there for love, like, sure, of, like, of course, I, I believe that most of these people want to, want to fall in love. I very much believe them. But, like, they're also seeing what you can get from it. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on to the first, the first last date, Michelle, Michelle goes first every time. And that seems really odd to me because I don't, I don't think that it's always the same order, but Matt always wants to save Rachel for last. And so she gets to climb down a building, which, oh my God, I, I don't, 
I've never seen somebody not do this. I don't think I would do it. I'd be like, I really like you, but I'm taking the stairs. I'll meet you at the bottom. I'll stand in that little heart and wave to you as you come down the hill. And then I'm sure it was safe, but it looked like when he first started that he kind of flipped in a weird, uncomfortable position. And I was just like, oh my God, there's just no way. Right there. I've, I've, I've done one of those before. It's, it is not comfortable. Oh yeah. No, 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 thank you. (laughs) Michelle, good sport. This is what, this is the moment though, that I think Michelle should have picked up on more because he was kind of telling her that he was struggling. Um, yeah. And so I I was a little surprised that she was surprised after this because he he was not even in that date. It didn't seem like to me. And then when he heads over there to talk to her that evening, he's like I'm just going to put all the cards on the table. I did not think he was going to say you're not it. I I that's not what I thought was going to happen. What did you guys think? I was during the date, like you said, I could tell he wasn't in it and I was calling it out. I was like, he is going to dump her. I'll tell you that right now, just based on how he was at the date. Like he was so um, withdrawn that Mm -hmm. to me, I was like, oh, something, something has majorly changed here. Yeah. And she, I think it really hit it home for him when she pulled out the Mr. and Mrs. James jerseys and he was like, nope. Yeah. Oh, that could be. That might have really th- maybe I that made it real. Him over the edge. That's what pushed him. Over See, the I, edge. No, I think he was going to have that conversation regardless, though. Right? He came in so like, uh, what's the word? Uh, somber. Like he came in so, you know, not energetic and all that stuff. I feel like he was ready to have that conversation, and then that was more just like, a, oh shit, this is even worse than I thought. Yeah. And I think the the line that kind of broke my heart was when she asked him for clarity and asked if she was supposed to fight for him. And then he, and then he's like, I just can't get there with you. And to say, I can't get there with you. I don't know. I just feel like that should have happened earlier. (laughs) uh, Oh, that's, that's the weird part to me. So on this episode, you could, like we were just saying, you could tell on a date, right? You know how they're they're rappelling down. They get to like the ledge, and he's like, "Hey, come here for a kiss." I was watching it, and I was like, "Oh, that sucks," because you know, man, don't like don't f with me. You know, right now, so don't. I don't know. So it's it's funny because you were making that point last week, mom, about how hey, you know it's Rachel. Stop effing around, and that's that's how I started to feel this episode. I was like, "Oh, come on, man." But the the only just, thing I'm happy about is the format of the show. Yeah. I'm glad he didn't make her go through the rose ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree. I think that was a courtesy, but still, I'm sure that's not a lot of consolation to her. Yeah. What did you guys think of the reveal that she asked him for two minutes to get, you know, some clarity and he wouldn't talk to her after he broke up with her before she left? What do you think of that? I mean, I thought that was awful. Yeah. But I guess if you've made, you've made the decision, you don't want to do it again. I, I think, I think that's a little short-sighted. Maybe Next you didn't Rachel want to feel the heat gets informed. Who knows what she was going to say to him, she's but devastated, but I do think if you've taken somebody that she, far, you know, in she series, seems sad, but those it didn't five minutes seem, I don't know. They, they only showed hour. a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah. 
didn't really care. Kaylee, you said you you didn't care either. Yep. Yeah. I don't care. Because he already knows. He's known who he's going to pick from the beginning, if he picks anybody. At this point, you know, who knows? Is he not going to show up? Is he going to leave? I don't know. But I was I was a little bit incredulous that Neil Lane showed up. What did you guys think of that? Contractually obligated. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, what do you mean you were because he was so unsure about proposal? Yeah, he kind of told Chris, I don't think I want to propose. Oh, too bad. You still have to go pick a ring. Yeah, you, well, well, that's what I was going to say. You think these people aren't still going to try to push him into propose? Like, that's the whole, oh, hey, Matt's feeling uncertain. Let's throw rings at him. That's Slash exactly contractually what they, they, obligated. They are contractually yeah, they, obligated they all, to show Neil Lane on the show. They, yeah, that you is are, part of their You are correct. You are correct. But they time it with, like, like last last season it was with Brendan. Hey, I'm not feeling certain, and they start showing his one-on-one date was picking out rings. So funny. They just know exactly when to push the right button. They're like, okay, wait for the uncertainty and Neil Lane. Here we go. <laughs> and and, and, and he's crazy. sitting he didn't get the, he's the sitting across crazy. Yeah. He's sitting across from Neil Lane and saying, uh, I don't want to lie. I don't think I'm a, a ready. And then Neil Lane is like, Your clarity is amazing. Look at this ring. <laughs> And then weirder, Matt seemed to get into it at the end and then decided to keep one. Like he, he started to get into the like picking out the ring thing. And maybe that's a really big deal. I mean, it wasn't for me, but maybe that's, I was surprised that he got on board. Yeah. I don't know. But, I think when, when a salesperson is pushing you towards something, yeah, you're, I think you're going to get a little excited about it. And then which bobble do you think is pretty? Yeah. Then you go home and you think about it and you're like, oh, I was feeling pressured by the salesperson. True. True. At this point, did you guys think he was going to propose? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I'm, I am so proud of him for sticking to his guns. I mean, as a mom, I am like, good for you. Have to listen to what your gut is telling you. Yeah. So I, I was, I was incredibly prepared or or proud of him for that and then rachel gets a note to meet him at the lake and here's the moment where i'm like to rachel's credit she showed up and she didn't know what was going to happen and she showed up and gave a beautiful speech i think it was heartfelt and i i think that takes a lot of courage when you're not sure what's going to happen yeah and she didn't she didn't enter that arena with any doubt yeah yeah there's definitely some strong feelings both ways you know for sure we talked about earlier um i mean both of you have kind of mentioned like i just don't think rachel is has as much depth as michelle which could be true um but at the same time like yeah there's definitely on both ends no uncertainty in terms of at, at that moment no uncertainty in terms of they both are fully fully going for it fully in love with each other um which is interesting obviously later but yeah how did you guys feel at the end of the episode when he doesn't propose i was like take me after the final rose yeah straight up i i have never been anticipating the after the final rose as much as I was this time. Yeah, like that's like, the this thing is, is like be pandemonium. 
because of so much of because of what has been going on in real time while we've been watching this season, the season itself has honestly felt inconsequential. Like it's yeah, felt yeah, like we've up. just been leading up to this after the final rose because th- we we see what has been we know he picks her. We know that there are struggles in the relationship and that he probably breaks up with her. Like we've se- we've been watching all that play out in the media in real time. So I was mm-hmm. literally like fast forward, take me to after the final rose. <laughs> I'm ready. I think the only thing that hit me, it was like a wah, wah moment because usually they're like jumping around and so excited and you just didn't get that. It was like, okay, done, move on. I don't know. I, I, I saw like a lot of relief from the two of them. I, yeah. it, it actually seemed like they were both pretty, um, pretty happy after that. I think it was yeah. more so he was nervous that she wasn't going to be okay with that. And she was nervous that he was just going to straight dump her on the spot. So once they both kind of came to terms with, okay, hey, we're not getting married right now, but I really do want to be with you. I think that I, I, I saw a lot of positive energy from that. And just to segue on that, they talk about at the, after the final rose that the time they spent together right after was like an extended honeymoon. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm curious the timing of that. Like, so we were talking about, you know, when did, did the photos come out? When did the rumors come out? Whatever in, in their real time, right? Were they together when it happened or were they in different parts of the world FaceTiming about it? You know, I'm curious when that hit. I, Cause I think there's so much context involved with that, that um, we're just never going to get, but it would be really interesting to see how exactly that went down for them. It sounded like it started surfacing in January when the show was airing to us. Mm. And the answer would be they were probably both. Remote. They were separated most of the time, but probably together at some times during yeah. that. Yeah. Because I think how it works is immediately following the finale, they go on like a little mini honeymoon by themselves, like straight or like probably still in Nemi colon they have like a mini honeymoon and then they both go back to their lives and then they try to see each other when possible um, slash secretively. I think they set up like safe houses for them to. Right. But I just, well, yeah. What is that for a day? Is that for a week? Is that, I don't. Yeah. I don't, I I think the, like the honey quote unquote honeymoon is for at least a week. I want to say that they usually do it. And then they do like visits in between while the season is airing. I think usually for like Mm. a weekend where like production will get a house for them to go hang out in for a weekend. I think the closest we got to see that was Becca Kufrin's uh, season. Yes. That that was one of their houses. Yeah. They set up this house and she shows up and Ari shows up and it's just like, they're both excited. They're going to have a weekend together. And then that didn't go so great, but that's the only time we've ever been able to see that look into what happens afterwards. Yeah. What did you guys think of Emmanuel Acho uh, being the host of the After the Final Rose? I really like um, him. I mean, yeah, go for it. I think it illustrated how fucking easy Chris Harrison's job is. Like, you stand there and you say, welcome to the fa- After the Final Rose. 
How are you feeling? Shocking. How are you feeling? You got to throw the word shocking in there. Shocking. Yes. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I think I'm, I, I don't want to say that um, the conversations that Emmanuel was uh, facilitating were easy because they weren't. And I think um, it was, it was really great to see a black man facilitating those conversations with another black man about mm-hmm. being black on TV and in America. I thought that was super powerful, but if you take those conversations out of it and you just look at the hosting job, it's like, yeah, anyone can do this. We don't need That's Chris Harrison to yeah. do it. Yeah. I, but I think that, that, that being said, I think, and I was talking to somebody about this, about like, they were like, well, what do you think about this? And honestly, I don't know. Um, so I think it was really good that Chris Harrison wasn't the host of this. I think mm-hmm. that's very apt, right? I also think it makes sense that he's not the host of, uh, of those those next Bachelorette seasons or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, you know, do you, do you ever foresee him coming back? Would you be okay with him coming back is how I'll phrase it. Like, because who knows what, what they're planning on doing. I guess not what's realistically going to happen, but what would you guys like to happen with that? I personally would like to see him not come back. Um, I think... Chris has, as we've said previously, has a monetary interest in this show, whether or not he's the host, he's still going to be an executive producer. So when people are like, oh, how dare you cancel Chris Harrison? Like, yeah, maybe Chris wouldn't have that specific job, but it's not like he's not going to still be making money off of the Bachelor Mm. franchise. He still has an intensely vested monetary interest in it. And it's also like Chris, it's not like Chris Harrison won't be able to go get another job doing something else. It's not going to be like Chris Harrison is desolate on the streets and doesn't know what to do with his life. Like, um, I just think it's time to progress to something else with someone else. And I also just have not found Chris's apologies to be especially good or sincere. And I think that um, what was really telling to me was after he did the Good Morning America interview, um, where he did do his apology, um, it came out that he was really frustrated um, that people weren't accepting his apology. And he was like, what else can I do? And that attitude tells me that you really haven't learned a huge lesson from um from what you did and the consequences of your actions for you to be frustrated that people aren't accepting your apology is kind of like, I don't think you've learned the lesson. I think for me, there's one scenario that would work for me and I don't think we've ever seen anybody do it. He would need, he has this like incredible platform and opportunity to take a moment and, and, have these deep conversations um, and do the learning and show people how he is learning and how to just come naked to the table. And I don't mean literally with all the things that he, (laughs) that he, that he said and the harm that he's done. And if he, I, I keep waiting for somebody that gets accused of something, whether you know, it's um, New York's mayor for sexual harassment and just owning it and being like, you know what, whatever this is, this is painful. I need to step away. I'm going to own it and then figure out how to do it better. Because I think if, if you could be accountable, then maybe I could see a spot for him. But I just don't think Chris Harrison so far has it in him. So that's, I think that's where ultimately I've settled with it is. um, So like I said, I'm okay with him not being around for the next 
while, you know, however long that time period is. I think it is interesting with the whole like cancel culture thing. Um, it's the way I see it is when you commit a crime, right? A that is against the law, a crime, there is a process, you know, okay, so you murdered somebody that's 25 to life, or, you know, there's, we have laws that are established. And because of the influence of social media and all that stuff, this is the new, like, raw Western uh, lawless, like, whatever you want to call that wild, wild west of social justice, because nothing has been established yet. We have this huge impact of public opinion, and how much that can influence somebody in their lives. And, you know, all that stuff. And so now people are realizing there's power to that. And we're seeing that in the stock market. We're seeing that whenever, but there's power to that. And it's, it's just interesting because it hasn't been established yet of, okay, Chris Harrison, you committed social injustice ruled by Twitter or whatever you want to say, ruled by social media. And so now you are canceled, at least for the time being. So, but it's interesting. What I'm saying is I don't know what his punishment should be. I think, like you guys said, he needs some time to really sit there and consider what went down, how he can be better, um, needs to really have some thought with that. Cause I agree with you, Kaylee, like just, just the whole interview with Rachel Lindsay, it was the reason it was so like, ah, for me was, okay. So you had this whole year of all this stuff coming to light about how you should look more inwardly about, uh, racial insensitivities that you have. And you just missed the point completely. Um, and that was really evident. At the same time, though, you know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. He's not going to go starving on the streets. But um, I think there needs, for me personally, what I think is that they're like, at some point, you know, if you if you put in the work, if you do the, um, the take the time and, and, and take the punishment and just take it to the chin, at some point, you know, I'm, I'm okay with you getting that, that opportunity to have another chance, prove yourself again. And, you know, maybe, maybe they come to find in the time that he has off that they really, like you guys said, don't need Chris Harrison and he's not the central figure of this show, but I wouldn't be upset with him coming back later on. If, if it seems like the timing is right. I agree. Actions that back it up. I think that's the big thing for me is like you, I need to see that Chris Harrison is actually taking action forward to mm. not make these mistakes again. And it can't just be PR statements and it can't just be interviews. Like I actually want to see what that work looked like because otherwise. What would be like an example of that? I will give you an example. Cause I think he's doing a big whiff right now. There's so many people who are saying they're not going to watch the, the next season because two women are replacing him and that, you know, they're mm. done and cancel culture and we're never watching the show again. The whiff is him not coming out and saying, I am so excited for these two women to have this opportunity. Yeah, I am going to learn so much from my time off and I support them fully. And anyone who thinks that the show will be diminished or, you know, is wrong. And, you know, he, he's not yeah. throwing his weight behind them. He's letting all of this hate behind the scenes happen. And to me, that's a great example of him whiffing. That's a really good point. Yep. <clears throat> And I think so, and this is going to tie into the conversation that we're going to have to have about Rachel um, after the final rose. Um, so I'm not saying that Rachel deserves to be canceled or deserves to like lose out on opportunities, blah, blah, blah. But 
this was somebody who, through her racial ignorance, caused significant harm to many people, including the person that she loves. This woman has more Instagram followers than any other woman on, on that season, except for maybe Katie. The amount uh, I I just went and looked at her Instagram statement about um, this whole experience and the amount of support that she's receiving is incredible. Every single comment on there is like, we believe in you. We want you. We love we love you. Matt was such a dick for not accepting you. But this woman is never going to lose out on money. This woman is not going to lose any of her sponsorships. This woman isn't going to lose her job. Nothing's going to happen to her for this. Not that I think it should. But not only is nothing going to happen to her, but she has a groundswell of support from Bachelor Nation. So many people that are like, you're amazing. We love you. Matt's a dick. If you go to Matt James' Instagram right now, the comments under every single one of his photos are, you're an awful person. How dare you not forgive her? Um, We don't, you were the worst Bachelor of all time. We don't ever want to watch a show with you on it again. Um. So to see how different that is for this white woman versus this black man where this could actually Mm -hmm. like affect his money, affect his opportunities to be in the public eye, to receive this much hate. To me, that shows the big inequality, A, and B, the problem with Bachelor Nation that Chris could help rectify by coming out to Bachelor Nation and saying, hey, this happened. It was not fucking okay. Stop bullying our Black Bachelor online. And I mean, yes, Rachel needs to go do the work, but stop patting her on the fucking back for it every six seconds. She's doing the bare fucking minimum. The bare minimum. She should be coming out too. Like, I I do think that when a person in power says, please quit attacking this person, it doesn't make people quit doing it. But if you respect Chris Harrison, yeah, if you respect Chris Harrison and he's who you're ready to go to the mat for and he says, please don't do this. Or Rachel says, that was a really hard episode to watch, but please don't attack this man that I loved so much. And, and, you know, she's letting it happen because she feels wronged. Yeah. And I understand why she feels wronged. I understand that she loves she loved that per- she loves that person. She loves Matt and she thought that their love could withstand all. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was so powerful to watch him sit there and say, "I don't want to be responsible for your tears right now." Because he's yeah. not. He's not responsible for that. That's on her. She did this to herself. And Yes, your what happens has consequences. Like, sorry that he doesn't feel like he wants to have to explain to you what it means to be a black man in America. He doesn't want to have to have that conversation with you every day. I think that's a valid reason to want out of that relationship. And yet people I, are coming for him and are saying, yeah. you were so cold to her. How dare so, you be so unforgiving? Like, that bothers me. So, I, I, I mean, it's been a minute since he said this, but... I, I got to reel it back. I feel like out of those two people, who's getting the more hate is clearly Rachel. I Not don't see it that way at all. I, yeah, I don't think that's true either. I don't think that's true. Really? Yeah. I definitely think that's true. I mean, I was just on Matt's Instagram. I didn't see any of those comments you were talking about, but like, um, uh, boy, I've seen a lot of like gnarly shit. I mean, people aren't going and digging into Matt's every this, that, and the other. And, and going into every part of his life and 
uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like Rachel has definitely received a, a lot of hate, and may, maybe that's justified. But um, to I definitely don't think the overwhelming response is, "Oh, well, it's okay." I, I haven't seen that. She has she has pretty big support, but I things it's that I want to give Rachel credit for because I think these were hard things to say or to admit when. Emmanuel asked her if she was worried that these pictures would come out. She said, I didn't know there was anything wrong with them. So no, I was not worried. And I think that was a really, um, most people would deflect or defend themselves or, and she, she, she let her ignorance sit there front and center for everyone to see. And so I thought that was a really brave moment for her. Even if she was coached, I don't even care the fact that you would still, you know, say that and, and admitting that she, she had no idea that, you know, what any of this meant. She never asked questions. It was part of her culture and, you know, shame on me. Yeah. I I I thought she did like, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I I thought she did as well as she could do. And yet I totally 100% agree with Matt that this, the amount of work that, they would have to do to be able to even get back to a relationship would be incredible. It would be such labor on his part, such labor. Yeah. And I do just want to push back on this Luke, just because I really, I really do believe it to be true. Here are the first three comments on Rachel Kirkconnell's most recent Instagram. You deserve someone who will stick by you and help you learn and grow. When someone loves you, they won't leave you to battle your hardest moments alone. You will find the right one, and he will champion you and help you grow, all while staying by your side, for better or for worse. You didn't deserve to be treated or attacked like that. You are a strong, strong woman. Now, here's the first three comments on Matt James' most recent Instagram, which is literally a video of him running. They are... (laughs) Oh, wait, they might have deleted them since this morning. Wait, what are you looking at on Rachel's? The top thing I see is one of the, one of the first ones is Emmanuel Acho. Appreciate your vulnerability and humility. Wishing you nothing but my best friends. Cheers to change. Oh, scroll, scroll past the uh, scroll past the famous people. Scroll down to the people without blue check marks by their name. Yeah. Because I think that gives you a better yeah. idea of what the general public is thinking. Public, yeah. Oh, I didn't even know things about blue check marks. Boy, you guys are just Instagram savvy. No, I'm going back to that. Oh, wow. This really changed from this morning. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Now I'm scrolling down a little further. To be fair, these are not the first three comments on Max. But the Ice King, coldest man out there. Cold as ice. Damn. Forgive like Jesus has forgiven us. Why did you even go on the show there, though? You're too soft. This guy's a clown. You are so far from a commitment. You run when it gets hard. What a shame. Running from another relationship? You need therapy. Don't ever tell a woman to put in the work on something you misinterpreted. Matt is a bad individual with no heart. Dude, you have issues. Get therapy, loser. How can you do that to Rachel Kirkconnell? You could have forgiven her for something she did three years ago. Shame on you. I think you have a lot of learning to do. Yikes. So it just have, I just have to ask you as your mother, don't lie. Have you guys ever written such bullshit on anybody's Instagram? Nasty, nasty. I mean, like, 
But that's yikes. That is Bachelor Nation. That is the demographic of people that is that watches this show and enjoys this show for the most part. The huge part of their demographic are the people who would write those comments, who are really invested in this personally who take it very personally and that's why i think it's really important to highlight that the majority of bachelor nation i think i think we think a lot about the people who are very um who have platforms the people who have platforms are roasting rachel kirkconnell for sure no question but it's the regular people, the people who make up the demographic, the people who make up the ratings of the people who watch this show are overwhelmingly on Rachel Kirkconnell's side and not on anyone else's. Well, and I, I just have an issue with neither one of them need to be roasted. I mean, we just watched two people share this really painful experience and clearly both heartbroken. I, honestly, if I would I think Matt really this this affected his mental health a lot. He just mm-hmm. looks sad. He looks mm-hmm. he looks vacant is what I would say. And I think, you know, you hear all the time and I will never be able to relate to it about how heavy and burdensome and exhausting it is to be a black person in a white world. And I think Matt mentioned that um black men are conditioned to make people comfortable with their blackness. Mm-hmm. And so we just watched these two people go through this really sad, sad moment. And I don't think either one of them deserves to be roasted. There's no reason to doubt that Rachel's going to continue the work. Um, There's no reason to doubt that Matt thought this through. But as a mom, the thing that really hit me when he talked about raising children, that one really hit me hard because when you're married and then you decide to have kids, all the honeymoon is over at that moment because all of these things that you didn't know that were inside of you about how children should be raised and how they should be disciplined and how they should, all of these differences come out of the two of you because you didn't have to talk about that stuff when you were dating. And even if you were married for a while, that those weren't things. And that's, you know, that's coming from somebody who's married to another white person I can't imagine adding race into that. If you hadn't had those conversations, that that was the one that really hit me of like, I get it. I get it. Cause it would be so hard and not, not, you know, some people work through it, but we also have to remind ourselves, how long have they known each other? Do you want to work through work that hard through a relationship that is, you know, really pretty surface? Mm Yeah. Do you guys believe that a couple could work through issues like this? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. Um, But I also think that we as white people are a little more naive to the amount of work that that our BIPOC potential partners would have to do on a daily basis, like that they don't talk about or that they would keep silent from us because – it's too much work to make us understand, you know? It kind of yeah. hit me well, when you... Go ahead, Luke. That's, what, that's something I was going to say is like, I've seen a lot of uh, people saying, um, well, if you really loved her, then you would have taken the time and put in the work. And I'm like, if you're a white person saying that, like, how how could you possibly, how would you have any idea you don't know what, what that's like? Is. Yeah. 
Like, I don't, I don't, I just don't get that comment unless you are someone who's done that or experienced that. Like, mm-hmm. if you really loved her, you'd stick with her. Well, geez, I don't, I don't know how you could possibly come up, like, how you could think that that's true. I don't know. That, that is a weird thought to me. Yeah. yeah, there's just there's so much that we don't see that we don't experience as white people that would take so long for us to fully grasp or understand at the cost of a BIPOC person having to uh, explain that to us and have to go through that pain and unpack that pain so that we can have a learning teachable moment. Right. That sounds pretty fucking exhausting to me. Like I can completely understand why someone wouldn't want to. Um, I understand why someone wouldn't want to be in a relationship with a white person just to be like, that's, that's too hard to have to explain this. I do think that it, that it can work, that there are some people who have those open and honest conversations and dialogues from day one. Um, but I still think it's hard. It's a whole different level of, um, understanding and, um, I can understand why Matt was like, I don't have the bandwidth to have to teach you this. And it sounds like from their conversation that they had after the final rose that um, they did have that conversation and he had to explain it to her. And the fact that he had to explain it to her looked like it was really hurtful and draining for him. Uh, Yeah, I I was going to read that quote. The most disappointing thing for him was explaining to Rachel why it was problematic and that he had to explain it in the first place. So when I questioned our relationship, it was not you fully understanding my blackness and how it would affect us and our kids. Their kids. I think that's a big, that's a big part that wasn't talking mm-hmm. about. How are we going to raise our biracial children? And right. how are we going to have conversations with them about being biracial? How are we going to have the talk with them about what to do when you are encountered by a police officer? Like, she clearly didn't think through those things or they clearly didn't have those conversations. I think for me over the last year, like watching all of this happen in our world. And so I I think I mentioned to Luke before that it, it, it happening in pop culture, I think is a positive thing because it's exposing more people to some of these issues. I think I would, I'm a Rachel. I don't, I didn't notice microaggressions. I don't notice when stuff happens because I'm not on hyper alert trying to make sure I'm safe. And, and I get like, if somebody had explained that to me all the time, it it would be tiring. And luckily this moment has happened and I get to watch it happen or read about it or start to understand it. I was in a book club with a a woman that was Asian and she was saying, you know, like everybody at her work thinks she and two other women are the same women. And I was like, what? But then I start finding myself doing those kind of things. And so I, I get how, how this would be really hard for a person to have to explain somebody who's so ignorant to it. Yeah. Yeah. I also appreciated Matt saying, I don't agree with cancel culture, but I believe in accountability. And I think that's where I really land. I don't know that. I think, I think, I think we cancel ourselves if we don't hold ourselves accountable. 
And I don't know that that's, you know, anybody else canceling us except for ourselves if we can't stand up and take the criticism. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I that's, pre- that, that's the same idea is, is kind of what I was trying to talk about with Chris earlier is just like, yeah, there needs to be accountability. I don't know about canceling anybody, but there definitely needs to be like, I think Matt said it really well in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Any other last thoughts on the show? I'm just excited for the next two seasons. I can't wait. Yeah, so guess, when are when are those airing, Mom? Uh, the first one will air in the summer, and the second one will air in the fall. And I guess that's the last question I want to ask both of you. Through this process, you know, you, you're kind of like, should I be watching this show? Do I want to support a franchise that, you know, keeps getting it wrong? And I think for me personally the amount of hate that has come out when Caitlin and Tasha were announced as facilitators, hosts, whatever, makes me want to support the franchise and prove, you know, prove this group of people wrong that, you know, it can move forward and yeah. hopefully it can. But I, what are your thoughts on this? I agree. I feel the same way. I want to support, I want to support it changing. I want to su- show su- that, um, there is another demographic besides the demographic watching who say hateful, hurtful things, who um, don't feel that the franchise can move forward unless it's rooted in the past um, and its past actions. So I very much want to support this franchise more than ever and support it so that it can continue to make changes and illustrate that institutions that are problematic can make big changes and can move forward in a way that is that um leaves room for accountability and leaves room for progression um so yeah i'm excited to support the next seasons plus i love the bachelorette i think think that's really well said um but uh, aside from putting putting the social stuff aside for a second I thought that this season dragged on so hard. I mean, and maybe that was because we knew so Mm -hmm. much about what was really going to happen in the outside world. But like, boy, it it got to a point. And I think also it had to do with just how many women were involved. There was, I really hope that they don't do that again. Like I'm, I'm tired of the second limo showing up. I'm tired of, I mean, 30 plus is a ton. They need to drop those numbers. Cause I think we're starting to see this market of like the, the dating show become more and more saturated right there's more and more i've heard of this new one called temptation island like stuff like that there's a ton of temptation island yeah exactly so like everybody (laughs) is everybody's got a new one that they're also interested in and i think the social stuff is is an example of the bachelor having to adapt i think another way they have to adapt is by making it more realistic like cutting down the number of women or men that show up so that it's actually manageable because you know i've been watching a little bit of love island as well and that one it's the same shit it's the same you know uh douchey people your models and your instagram influencers or whatever but there's five of them five men and five women so then it's like okay there's actually potential and real relationships come of it how often do you have a real relationship come from the bachelor it has happened but it's definitely rare and i just think they need yeah. to kind of make a change so that it's like people because it, it's a joke at this point. Everybody knows it's a joke of of um, the the well, this show really does work. We really do find love on this show. It's like, well, no, not really. So I don't know. It's 
it was definitely interesting, but I I hope that they make some changes to make the show a little bit more interesting mm-hmm. in the future. Agreed. Yeah. Looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it was great to have you. Nice to nice to start with you and nice to end with you on this season. Always a pleasure to speak As with we you start and end every people. episode. <laughs> yes. <laughs> good good point. Um, good point. Yeah, if, if you enjoyed Kaylee Marshall's commentary or her, her singing in our intro and outro, please check her out. Um Kaylee, plug plug yourself if there's the best ways to find you. At K Marshland on the Instagram or go to KayleeMarshall.com. Boom. Boom. Um, well yeah. Great season. Thank you guys for uh for listening and we'll catch you guys next next season. Bye. Bye. I'm not the kind of girl that you're taking pictures with, that you're seeing in the daylight. Not the kind of girl that you're eating breakfast with, that you're talking about to your friends. Not the kind of girl you bring home to mama.